Welcome to Living Water Radio. How we celebrate is as important as what we celebrate. What are you celebrating this week and how? My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the 110 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. This is a week of three celebrations. First, the Dodgers won the World Series. You probably already knew that, but it's nice to say. It ends 32 years without a World Series victory, something every baseball player dreams about. It also happens to be a year when the Lakers also won a national championship, which also happened in 1998, the last time the Dodgers won the World Series. I spent the last inning, as did most people, stating the obvious. One at bat to go, one out to go, one strike to go. There it is! Of course, this is 2020, so it wasn't surprising when something happened to stick a pin in our balloon ballooning celebration. The Dodgers got results during the end of the game that Justin Turner had tested positive for COVID-19, and so by previously agreed-upon protocols, he was taken out of the game and isolated. When the Dodgers won, however, he pushed past security and went back onto the field for the celebrations and the team picture. Who knows what any one of us would have done under the same circumstances, but his behavior put everyone with whom he came into contact at risk. Even if no one gets the virus, I think his act of self-interest diminishes the heroic behavior of the team as a whole. It diminishes our celebrations. Second, this coming Saturday, we will celebrate two events, Reformation Day and Halloween. First, Reformation Day. There won't be costumes or lawn decorations, no specially themed movies or TV shows. It will seem somewhat anticlimactic or even unnoticed, as most of our churches will have celebrated it last Sunday. But it marks one of the most history-changing events of human history. I don't think I'm exaggerating or engaging in a little bit of Lutheran chauvinism here. But a few years ago, the History Channel asked its viewers for their opinions of the most influential persons of the or event of the last thousand years. Martin Luther came in second. The invention of the printing press was first, and it's interesting that they both happened at about the same time. Martin Luther was a young man on the move. His father wanted him to be a lawyer and be rich, and that's where young Martin was heading. Luther was walking across a field when he got caught in a lightning storm. He prayed to his saint, St. Anne, as a good Catholic young man would do, and said that if she saved him from this storm, that he would show his gratitude by becoming a monk. He was not hurt, and much to his father's chagrin, he became an Augustinian monk. The more he studied the scriptures, however, the more he became absolutely convinced that he was going to hell. Even when he spent an entire day praying, going to Mass and reading the Bible, and coming to the end of the day and feeling good that at least he had spent one day without sinning, that he had right then 
committed the sin of pride. His superior sent him to teach the Bible at the University of Wittenberg, and he discovered a verse where the Latin Vulgate had translated the original Greek metanoia into the Latin poinitentia, that is, do penance. The church had been selling indulgences, which Luther believed to be in conflict with the fundamental teaching of Scripture, that we are put right with God through faith, through a gift of God's grace. Metanoia was better translated to turn around or repent, he said. Indulgences were a promise of time off from purgatory, the place for those who weren't bad enough for hell, but not good enough to be in heaven. Doing penance meant you could do good stuff to make up for the bad stuff. The church was selling indulgences, a good act to get time off from purgatory for yourself or a loved one, because you wouldn't want grandma to be in purgatory, would you, by buying yourself time off. Luther looked to the statements of Scripture and said the whole idea of indulgences was ridiculous. Paul, in one such statement, wrote in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith, as it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. On October 31st, he nailed 95 theses. That's the plural of thesis, as when a Ph. student comes up with an original idea or thesis that he must successfully defend to qualify for his degree. He nailed them to the doors of the Castle Church in Wittenberg for academic debate. He didn't want to leave the Catholic Church. He wanted to reform it. He wanted to debate the idea of indulgences. The Church, particularly the Pope, who Luther saw as unnecessary, did not want to hear it. Under trial for heresy, the punishment could have included excommunication, imprisonment, torture, and death. At the end of one of his trials in Worms, Germany, Luther was being tried before the emperor and was accused of being vague in his defense of his written works. Luther replied, Since then your serene majesty and your lordship seek a simple answer, I will give it in this manner, neither honed nor horned nor toothed. Unless I am convinced by the testimony of scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the pope or in councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves, I am bound by the scriptures. I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot, and I will not recant anything, since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. May God help me. Amen. This may seem like a mild argument, but to those hearing it or hearing of it, it was mind-blowing. Luther lived when the church and its teaching were everything and in everything. One of its teachings, in a time when the church and the state were almost indistinguishable, was that both the pope and the emperor were put in their positions by God. To go against either one was not to enter into a dialogue over a reasonable disagreement, but to go against God. I think you can draw a straight line from Luther's idea that the individual is responsible for acting on his or her own conscience, not the dictates of those in authority, to the idea of democracy itself in the West. Luther was convicted, 
and at one time the Pope declared that anyone who murdered Luther would not be sinning. Luther came along at the right time, however. The German princes were promoting nationalism, a breaking away from the Holy Roman Empire, so they protected Luther. They figured that anything that weakened the Roman Church would weaken the Roman Empire. And the printing press had just been invented. Luther's 95 theses were printed in bulk, and in two weeks were being read in Spain. That was viral media in those days. And in the course of the Reformation, Luther brought in revolutions. Does your congregation sing during worship? Thank Martin Luther. He brought in congregational singing, which had previously been done by monks. He declared the freedom of priests to marry, something for which I am grateful. He translated the Bible into German, the language of the people, and for the first time in a thousand years, people could read the Bible in their own language, not Latin, the language of the educated, which were, at the time, pretty much only priests. Principles of translation he invented are still in use today. Today, we say that the Church is always reforming. It is in no less need of Reformation now than it was in 1517. It constantly needs to be called to Scripture alone as the only source of our belief and conduct, to teach salvation through faith alone, through God's grace alone. We seek reformation of our lives as well as of our congregations and of our church. That brings us to Halloween. Was there anything significant about October 31st in 1517 that Luther chose this day to nail the 95 Theses to the church door? This was not an act of vandalism. The church door was a public bulletin board, and he knew that a lot of people would see them there. All Hallows' Eve was to be celebrated that evening. It was the night before All Saints' Day, a day for the celebration of all the saints, a big deal in the Roman Catholic Church. Luther chose this day because he knew that the church would be packed. You know those round glowing things above people's heads in in Christian art? That's right, halos. They are there to show that the person under them is a saint, or holy, or hallowed, as in hallowed be thy name. All Saints' Day was therefore All Hallows' Day. The night before this day was All Hallows' Eve, shortened over time to Halloween. Christians in the Middle Ages believed that the forces that defy God were allowed to come out at night to scare Christians. Christians would dress up to mock them and to mock scare each other. At midnight, these forces were required to return to whatever hole they came from because it was the beginning of All Saints' Day. Then they were mocked. Today, in our secular society, people celebrate them. They pretend scary things are fun to convince themselves that they are not scary at all. Yet, people are frightened, especially when left to themselves. This third celebration is our culture's celebration of the forces that defy God. Halloween used to be fun. Now it has gotten very dark and is way more about what adults want than about what children want. Most children have difficulty separating what they see from what they feel or what is true. People now decorate their lawns, they invest in elaborate costumes, they seek out terror as entertainment, they spend an enormous amount of money on the decorations, the parties, the costumes, etc. Christians, those who believe and are baptized, have nothing to fear, and we also have something real to celebrate. 
our salvation. Without anything to celebrate in terms of our salvation, we have everything to fear. What do you think? What will you be celebrating and how? Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians, the sixth chapter, starting at the tenth verse. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Notice that salvation has nothing to do with us. We put on the armor of God. We are set free from sin, death, and the power of the devil by God. Our baptism service actually contains an exorcism. Our sponsors are asked, or we are asked if we are old enough, to renounce all the forces that defy God. We do. Those forces now have no power over us. None. This is why we celebrate and praise God this week and every week forever. The victory of God over everything that holds us back from being free from sin, death, and the powers of all the forces that defy God, to know the abundant life that truly is life in a living relationship with the one true living God has been won. We have nothing to fear. We have several real things to celebrate this week. Faith, baptism, and salvation. All gifts from God. Today, let's remember to pray that we may be God's instruments to do God's will in all things. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have currently available and support the church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. 
Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.